All right, well, uh, welcome. My name is Bland. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, we <laughs> we continue to have some challenges with technical difficulties this morning. Um, it is not surprising, I feel like, uh, with the topic of today's message. Um, we, we've concluded one thing for sure with the technical difficulties. Uh, it does not seem to be any one thing. It seems to be a lot of things. So, um, yeah, make of that you what you will. Uh, but I want to welcome you, and uh, if you are new, I would love for you to take a moment and get on our website, uh, coabrookline.org slash connect and fill out our connection card. That's just a place that you can share a little bit of information about yourself. We can get to know you uh, and see if there's ways that we can serve you. Also, it's a great place. And if you're a regular, I just want to say this again, very, very clearly. This is where you can share prayer requests. Okay. It does not go to like the whole church. It does not get pumped out anywhere. Uh, the prayer requests uh, come to uh, the, the staff and it's passed on to the elders. Uh, to be able to to pray for you and to follow up with you if there's anything that we can do uh, to serve you right now. So uh, take advantage of that. Also, um, you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can sign up for community group um, and uh, talk to someone from the leadership. A uh, few quick announcements. Well, our, our core values first, and then a few quick announcements, and then I'll pray. So uh, our core values are gospel, community, and mission. Uh, about six years ago, we started. We decided to start saying those every single week in our gathering, and it's just to remind us as a church what we are about. We are about the good of Jesus Christ, that, that as the Son of God come in flesh as a, as a full human being, lived a sinless life, uh, among us, taught, loved people, served, performed miracles, pointed everything towards what he was going to do on the cross, died on the cross in our place, uh, taking on the penalty for our sin and rebellion against God, dying, going into the grave, rising from the grave three days later uh, to give uh, uh, the victory and new life to those who would believe. So it's not at, God's not asking us to try harder today. If you're new, this is not, uh, hey, you know, you better come that Christianity is fundamentally about faith. It's about knowing Christ. It's about knowing the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has died for you. And then he brings us into a family, a community. And it's it's really not just about a bunch of people being together who are different, but a fundamental unity that Christ creates, right? So, so we see in the Bible, we see across church history, this picture of Jesus bringing people who wouldn't be together, together. And that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean things just go away or challenges are gone. It means that there is now the capacity, unlike the world, there is the capacity to be able to work through our differences. There's the capacity to be able to overcome barriers that have divided people. Um, and so uh, we're brought into a community and then that community is put on mission. We are, we're told to go tell others. We're told to go invite others uh, to, to be a part of Jesus's kingdom and experience new life for themselves. It isn't manipulation. We're not selling a used car. We are telling the greatest news that has ever been declared in human history. And so we share that in words and then we demonstrate it uh, in our actions and the way that we love others. Uh, so uh, quick announcements, some things coming up. May 16th uh, is our next in-person gathering. We'll be at Ruggles again. Uh, we also have one May 23rd at Ruggles and then May 30th at uh, Lars Anderson Park. We're doing two services that day. We're excited about this, doing two services to create space, space for as many people as wanna come can come. So sign up. Uh, for those services, we've capped both of them to kind of keep it so it doesn't become completely lopsided. Um, but we, we do invite you to, 
to come and, and sign up for any of those that you're able to, to come to. And along with that, I would encourage you to continue to pray for us to be able to find a space that we can worship in regularly. So yes, please pray for that. We're, we're looking at a lot of different options right now. Uh, May 15th is the Women's Retreat. It's uh, on that Saturday from 9.30 to 2. You can sign up on our website. Uh, men's Retreats, May 28th and 29th. You can RSVP on our website. Or better yet, uh, and I know our, our information systems uh, director, uh, Brandon Bellanti, will really appreciate this, but download the app. And I really mean this. This app is so handy. It is super helpful. Everything you want to register for is at your fingertips. Uh, Church Center uh, app, if you download that, and then you can select City on a Hill Church uh, Brookline, and everything you need there is there, including the links for Sundays, uh, community group study guides, all that kind of stuff. So do that. Um, and then finally, to mention our pre-service, well, sorry, two things. Pre-service uh, prayer meetings uh, are, are, are on Sundays at 9.15. Uh, we invite you to hop in and be a part of that. Maybe you're not comfortable kind of praying out loud, but you'd like to just join that. You can come. Uh, there's no pressure to pray out loud. Uh, you can come and join and be a part of that. Also, uh, last week, uh, Janie, uh, our kids director, and myself, we shared about our kid, uh, the, the summer kids grab-and-go meals that uh, the Brook- town of Brookline uh, schools have, have reached out to us because we helped some last summer to help uh, man this, help, help to uh, staff this this summer with volunteers. Now, <laughs> I realized I shared and inspired all of you to like deeply consider this, but I didn't share, and I don't think we shared a direct route how to sign up for that. So that is now on our events page. That's on the app. You can sign up there. And I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, I can't lead a kid's activity. I am not that person. I can't be up. I, I can't be up in front of two people, let alone 10 people. And kids scare me. The ones that can talk, you know, they kind of scare me. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe that's you. But listen, we won't ask you to lead the activity. We just need some people that can stick popsicle sticks together with glue and play with glitter and be nice to children. So if you qualify for that, you win. You don't have to be the leader. You don't have to explain the activity. We just need some folks there. And listen, last summer, I'm telling you, the vast majority of people that we had contact with have no church background, no connection with the church today, um, any church. And so it's an incredible opportunity for us to love the community and serve the community. I hope you will learn more about that and sign up for that. All right, let me pray, and then we'll move into uh, our time of, of being God's word. God, it's good to be able to come before you uh, today. Um, Lord, we, uh, we long to, to see you face-to-face, to know you fully, to experience um, eternity in the new heavens and new earth with you, free from sin, free from COVID, free from brokenness, free from fear, free from anxiety, free from all the things that plague us, God. And, and what, a, what a gift it will be, what a day that will be. Uh, to be uh, at the, the the wedding feast of Christ and his bride, the church. Um, we long for that. We look forward to it. Um, but God, today you have us here. You have us in the midst of this weird situation where we're, we're, we're participating in worship online. And God, I know that's not, not the plan. That's not your, your purpose for us. We're meant to be connected. We're meant to worship together. And, and yet, God, um, in, in, in your providence right now, we're not able to. So we just trust you. We look to you right now knowing um, that our circumstances are not bigger than you. You are God. You are bigger than our circumstances. And we pray that you might um, just, just show up uh, in this time today as we, as we worship, as we look at your word. Um, God, would you meet us? 
whether we're sitting in our living room at our kitchen table or, or even in bed uh, looking at this right now, God, I pray that um, our hearts would be stirred towards you. Your spirit would, would meet us. And God, I, I pray that, again, that you would help us to find a, a worship location, a place that we can meet regularly, consistently, begin to gather again uh, safely as a church um, and reestablish the worship of your people um, together. And so we pray for that. Um, and we pray today for those that are hurting and those that are uh, far from you, God, that you would draw, uh, as Christ is lifted up, you would draw all people to yourself. Even now, we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so heads up today, at, after the message today, we will be doing our Q&A uh, like we've done in the past. The, uh, the number is 617-942-0753. And I have a feeling we might get some questions uh, after today's uh, message. Um, it's certainly not a, uh, <laughs> not a normal um, you know, sermon, if you will. Uh, but I invite you to, you know, definitely think about that. And by the end of our worship time together, uh, send your, your question in. I, I can't, it's harder to answer when I get it in the moment. Uh, sometimes I, I definitely want a little time so I can answer fairly and, and thoughtfully. Um, so today we started a new series called Schemes. You've already seen the graphic. Um, and the idea here is we are looking at the strategies that Satan uses against the church. Now, I'm not talking about the, against those that are not in the church or not part of Jesus's kingdom, his family, uh, but, but the, we're focusing on the strategies that he's using against the church. Uh, this, this has been, you know, coming, birthing in me for a while. It's been growing in me, this series. A few weeks ago, um, actually back in the If Gathering, uh, Jenny Allen interviewed a, a pastor. They called him Pastor X. He's from the Middle East. Uh, and uh, he, he, and then I heard Matt Chandler refer to this, and then uh, in his series on Revelation, and then I was actually able to watch the entire interview on Right Now Media uh, a while, uh, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe uh, the whole hour-long interview of Jenny Allen with this guy, and so I'd heard a lot about it, and was and, and watching it was was a very powerful experience. So he was a pastor from the West, he'd grown up in the West, and then went to this uh, this place in the Middle East, and he described what was happening in the Middle East right now that that there's an awakening happening. There is a movement of God that seems to be unparalleled in that part of the world in a, a thousand years, right? So like people are coming to faith. Uh, there's severe persecution. People are, uh, people are being arrested. People are being killed. People are having their stuff taken away from them. People are, um, you know, being um, abused on a daily basis. Uh, and yet God continues to move in that part of the world and, and the gospel continues to move forward. And it, it's hard. It's, you know, it can be glamorized sometimes. That, oh, it's a revival over there. But, but it's, uh, it's a hard thing, right? Yet, yet these Christians who uh, literally every day as a follower of Jesus take their life into their own hands by following Jesus uh, and then take their life into their own hands by sharing with their neighbor about Jesus. And then that person takes their life in their own hands to become a follower of Jesus. And God is continually doing this. It's fruitful. It's beautiful. Um, it's a movement of God. And, and then you take the, 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 the lens and, you know, Pastor X talked about this like, and, and shift it to the West. And what is happening here? Satan is handing the church in the West our rear ends. He is. 
um, there is a, a little happening in the church in the West. It's, it's not growing. It's not making a big impact. It's not shrinking like some would say. Uh, that's largely nominal Christianity that's shrinking in the West. But, but the church itself is not uh, making massive inroads into our culture. Uh, and what's crazy is, is in our own uh, arrogance and pride, one of the things that's happened is we, we said, well, you know, we need new strategies. Let's, let's get a whiteboard and we'll start writing down these strategies and ideas. We'll come up with a new plan and let's oh, look at our 47-point plan to, to, to change uh, the mo- movement of the church in the West. And the problem is that Satan, Satan sees that. And, I, and I'm not saying there's not a place for strategies, but Satan sees that and he laughs because it's not actually addressing the schemes that he is already using against the church. The enemy is laughing at us because we're seeking to address him with earthly means and not the power of God and the wisdom of God. The basis for this series is a short uh, passage, short phrase in 2 Corinthians 2.11, where Paul is speaking to the church about forgiving a brother who has repented, who is repenting, and he's, and he's saying, hey, invite them back in. Don't hold this against them. You Restore them to full fellowship. And he says uh, in verse 11, so that we should not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. So the idea is that, um, and actually the ESV uses designs, but other translations, actually many others, use the word schemes here, uh, which really carries this idea of, of, of Satan scheming. And that's the point of, of what the word really means. And notice it's not one scheme, right? It's multiple schemes. There are multiple ways that Satan is at all times scheming against the church. If you look in the West or look in the East or in the Middle East, uh, in Nigeria and uh, Miramar and other places, the church is being attacked full frontal, no scheme. The scheme is a visible, physical attack, right? We're not experiencing that here. So the schemes are different here, but they are, and and I would argue they are more subtle and therefore more dangerous for us. The West has become ignorant of Satan's schemes. It was interesting, Jenny Allen's interview with Pastor X, uh, he shared that he married a woman from a developing nation in the Middle East and that she, uh, she, she, uh, he brought her here to the West. And after a few months, she said, I, I need to go back. I need, we need to go back. And, and he's like, why? Like, you know, we, we, we have, life is comfortable here. It's easy. We have family. We have all this support. You know what she said? She said, I have felt, I have felt a satanic lullaby lulling me to sleep. And it was that image that really struck, struck with me and, 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 and hit me to think about what Satan is doing to us in the West. Every time we start to wake up, every time the church starts to awaken, he goes, shh, go back to sleep. It's okay. It's okay. Shh, here's a warm blanket. Here's some milk. Go back to sleep. It's not urgent. It's not important. It's certainly not essential relax. It's okay. And we go back to sleep. I forget about the fact that we are in Boston, one of the, uh, which in in many ways in the U.S. is Satan's backyard. Uh, We are a new church in a city uh, that, that in the U.S., um, is is the one of the least church cities and one of the and if not the least uh, churched major city in the U.S. And Satan knows what's at stake here. 
Boston's a global city with a global influence and in, in, uh, with our hospitals and our, our uh, universities and our research and our financial hub that we are. And he knows, I would argue this, that he knows that if there's a movement of God in the city of Boston, like a real substantial awakening revival in the city of Boston that, that, that reaches tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people in the greater Boston area, that it literally could reach the world that the people here and the resources here and the, the gifting here leveraged for the kingdom of God could, trans, could, could touch the world. He knows that. So this series is really about the schemes that Satan uses against us and what, how he exposes, uh, our, our goal is to expose them, uh, to call us to repent to, uh, of them when needed and, to, and for us to stop letting Satan lull us to sleep to awaken, to get ready, to, to stop letting, uh, letting everything he's doing out here uh, affect us and keep us from living out the gospel and living on full mission, being fully devoted followers of Jesus. Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians eleven three, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I know you're sitting there thinking, well, I, you know, not me. I, I don't think I'm deceived. That's exactly what someone who's deceived says. The problem with deception is we don't know it, right? And I would argue this. If you as a Christian have not been able to reflect on your own life, looking back at your own life and recognize that you have been deceived, at least at points, then you are likely being deceived right now. If you don't understand the, 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 the tactics of the enemy to deceive you, then how can you see the truth? How can you fight back? So we're gonna talk about four schemes that Satan seems to be using in the West the most right now. Uh, the first week today, we're gonna talk about the self. Next week's politics. Third week is sex. Fourth week's money. So I have a feeling uh, we're gonna touch on probably gonna offend everybody. <laughs> it's, it is, it's, 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 we're gonna talk about some hard things, right? And we're gonna start this week with the self. And we're gonna talk about first the self locked and loaded, the world as Satan's Disneyland of self, and then new, a new self living in Christ, living fully alive in Christ. So let's talk about the self locked and loaded. Genesis, we're gonna look at Genesis 3, one through seven quickly. Genesis 3, one through seven is, is the story of, of mankind falling into sin. And when I say sin, uh, uh, self locked and loaded, it is a, if you're not familiar with that reference, it's a reference to, to a gun or to a weapon being locked and ready to be, and, and loaded and ready to be, a, a bullet ready to be chambered and fired. So it's, it's prepared, it's, it's, it's a weapon ready for use. And, and in our case, uh, sin, when we fell into sin, set ourselves up as guns ready to go, go, to, go to work. Um, and, and we're gonna look at this today from the standpoint, not of purely of like this whole idea of humanity falling into sin, uh, but I really wanna look at this as deception. Uh, what, 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 Adam, what, uh, Adam and Eve experienced at the hand of the serpent was deception. Look at, look at, uh, Genesis three, one through seven. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So what Satan did was twist the word of God. Uh, He said, it doesn't mean what he said it meant. It doesn't mean what, what God said it meant. God said it meant that, but let me tell you what it really means. It's for you. Let me paraphrase this. Satan was saying, uh, it's not gonna hurt you. Sin's not gonna hurt you. It's gonna free you. It's not gonna restrain you. It's gonna open doors for you. You need to look out for you. You need to look out for number one. Here's your opportunity. Here's your your path to fulfillment. Here's your path to being your authentic self. And that's exactly what Satan does with us today with sin. This wasn't the birth of self in, in, in a pure sense. It was the birth of pride. So, so at this point, prior to, to sin, Adam and Eve had a sense of self. That sense of self was deeply rooted and, and the foundation of which was, was, was rooted in their relationship with God. They were made in the image of God, living in relationship with God. But now sin had entered in and self began to rule. The results were pride and shame, self-exaltation and loathing. On the one hand, Pride's locked and loaded, loaded, ready to go, right? If you don't know that about your own heart, let this be a lesson. <laughs> your pride and my pride is always locked and loaded, ready to go, to serve ourselves, to dwell on ourselves, to, to, to uh, exalt ourselves, to live selfish lives with that me first mentality. We don't say it out loud, but we live it. We think it. On the other hand, knowing that we're alienated from our creator who our self was rooted in, now we realize we have shame, we have guilt, we're inadequate. And so deep inside of this is this longing for approval, this longing to be validated, this longing to be said, uh, you are good, you are whole, you are mine. And so now we're desperately trying to prove our worth, desperately trying to get others to approve of us. This is what uh, 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 social media is all about, right? People take selfies. Why do they take selfies? They take selfies so other people will approve them, affirm them, right? It's a selfie. It is me taking a picture of me so that you can tell me that you like my picture. It's crazy, right? And the process of it all, we're like a computer with a horrendous virus, uh, that, that has invaded every system and yet we don't act like anything's wrong. Think about it. We lie to ourselves, don't we? We mislead ourselves. We, we tell ourselves things that aren't true. We, we, we stop ourselves from doing things that are good for us and those around us. And then we find ourselves doing things that are bad for us and bad for those around us. And then we'll go back and do it again. And then there's the cycle of shame and guilt. And, and then, then there's the pride and exaltation. I deserve this. This is mine. I, I'm, this is me. I'm being true to me. This is what led Paul in Romans 7 to say, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul knew that his heart was compromised. It was locked and loaded for self. It was locked and loaded for sin. And this is the same guy that said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in this present darkness and spiritual forces of evil in the present, in the heavenly places. 
There is a battle happening. You cannot see it with your eyes, but pride and self is, is, is the scheme of Satan. Self is the scheme of Satan and we are locked and loaded for it. The second is, I want us to see, is the world. The world is Satan's Disneyland that he has helped create and foster, and we have contributed to it as well, uh, for self. Now, if you remember Disneyland, if you, uh, I took, we took our kids uh, when they were younger, and you know, it's, it's an amazing, incredible, beautiful place that's meant to torture parents. Um, you know, and you go and, um, but seriously, as a child, it's, it's amazing, right? The, <coughs> excuse me, the, the, all the, all the rides, all the, the, um, characters walking around, all the, uh, architecture and beauty and all the shops and scenery and everything that you experience there is meant to be, uh, is designed for you. It's designed to bring out a child, right? To bring out, to touch something very deep in the child. This is what the world does for us. And I'm not talking about the physical world. That, that's not the, the, the word we're gonna see in, in 1 John 2.15 here. The world, and I'm gonna define it and then read the text. The world, that, as, as, as 1 John speaks about, is a unified earthly system of thoughts, words, and actions controlled by the evil one and set in direct opposition to Christ and his kingdom. So it is a way of thinking, a way of living, a way of operating, a way of looking at the world that is under the dominion of, of Satan and set up against Christ and his kingdom. This is the world and it is our Disneyland of ourself. Listen to what First uh, John says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. All that is in the world is not from the Father, but from the world. He lists three things here. And, I, and, and what's interesting, and I'm, I'm just gonna hit them very quickly, how much they parallel Genesis 3, verse six, and what happened to Eve. So the world is sin systematized. The world is sin as an operating system. The, call, this, uh, the lust of the flesh is the first one. This refers to the selfish ambition that human beings have for fulfilling their natural desires contrary to God, God's word. It is uh, a materialistic, egocentric, exploitive, and selfish lust. And, and this calls out to our desires. It's natural. It is easy. They are your desires. Listen, I have, I have never been tempted by sins that I don't wanna do, Right? Like they just don't appeal to me. But the sins that already have a natural desire in me, those sins are, are, are easy. Christians are giving into this idea that somehow the best thing you can do is to give in to your desires, to be that authentic self. If you have a desire, it must be right. If you have a desire, then you must fulfill it. If you have a desire, it is the way you should live. And I'm not talking purely about some sort of sexual, uh, 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 you know, sexual morality or whatever. That's part of, the, part of it, but I'm talking about larger than this. This can be a, a, a call for comfort or pleasures that's deep inside of us a call that, that, that feels very connected with who we are as a person. 
And every one of us has natural desires that have been and are being twisted by Satan for evil. And the world is out there calling us, inviting us to give in, inviting us, giving us opportunity day after day to give in. And Satan whispers to us, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Shh, relax. Come on, there are a lot worse things than this. Come on, this is you. You kind of need that. That's, you know, just, it's okay. How many of us have given in to sexual lust? How many of us have given in to the comfort to the point of laziness? How many of us have given in to food for the, to the point of gluttony? How many of us have given in to drink to the point of drunkenness? How many have given, us to, uh, given in to comfort to the point of, of laziness and, and uh, being indifferent? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. What is the eyes really comes down to is, is the tendency to be captivated by outward things. Uh, outward, especially show of things, things without substance. So, so it's, it's whether it's seeing our career uh, wrongly or, or not seeing our marriage rightly or, or seeing the stuff we have or whatever it might be, we, we skew lust, the lust of the eye skews our valuation of these things out here. We see our career for more than what it is. We see our family for more than what it is. We see our hopes and dreams for more than what they are. Our valuation is skewed and Satan is deceiving us. Seriously, if you don't think we're deceived, when was the last time you stopped and actually asked if you're valuing things properly? If you are actually valuing the things in your world, the things that you are looking at properly in light of Christ, the world is gasoline poured on the sinful nature of our souls. So the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is reflected in whatever status symbol is important to you to define your identity. It can be money, it can be success, it can be family, it can be clothes, it can be possessions. Uh, it might be seen as being how you want to be perceived by other people. I wanna be the funny person. I wanna be the smart person. I wanna be the person who has all the answers. I wanna be the person who sees things rightly. I wanna be the person that people respect for my wisdom. I wanna be the person that, that others perceive to have it all together. This is the pride of life. Sin grabs hold of these things, links with our deepest desires of self and leads us into the Disneyland of self. Every day, everywhere you go, every place you, everything that you see is calling to you. It is nonstop. This is one of the, one of the markers of the, of the West, right? For us is, is, is we have more opportunities, more access to things than any other culture in history. And it's at our fingertips and we see it and we're, we're buying into it without stopping and realizing Satan is lulling us to sleep. He's, he's, he's knocking down those hard edges of your soul that Christ has, has, has risen up and said, let's, li let's live out the kingdom of God and, and, and live for me fully. And, and Satan goes, yeah, but you know, not in this area. Let's, let's take that down a few notches. Relax. You don't need to lose your mind over this. Seriously, look at all these other Christians. Is, you know, you just kind of just fit in, right? You don't need to do anything crazy. If this, the effect on 
the self being locked and loaded and living in a Disneyland of the self is we unfortunately feel we are okay. We, the, the, the effect of Satan's scheme on the self, and I would say this, I'm gonna say this as, as clearly as I can to, to you. I am convinced that his single greatest uh, scheme against us personally is this idea of, yeah, we don't have it all together and okay, I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to spend more time with God. Uh, I really, you know, I should probably try to tell others about Jesus more, but we ultimately feel like we're okay without it. I'm serious. We feel like, you know what, we, we're, we're sacrificing a little bit, but it's not like I need it. It's not like I need God's word. It's not like I have to have this thing and be in this thing or my soul is gonna go to some dark places. It's not that I need to be in prayer and I need to pray for me and I need to pray for my family and I need to pray for those that are far from Christ because if I don't, my soul will wander. I will be lulled to sleep. I will be useless for the kingdom of God. I will give in to sin. And Satan looks at you and me and says, it's okay, shh, relax. You don't need to read your Bible every day, right? Like pray, just, just kind of pray when you remember to. That's fine. And the reason is, listen, do you, let's, let's just step back for a second. Do you think that Christians in the Middle East feel that way? Or is there a deep fundamental urgency to their souls that says, I have to stay close to Christ or I will deny him. I have to stay close to Christ because he is my savior and I'm gonna face persecution and I'm gonna be hurt and I'm gonna die for my faith and I need to be with Christ. I need to rest in him. I need to have peace in him because I have no peace in this world. And the problem is Satan has given us a false peace. And he's whispered to you and he's whispered to me, you're okay. Yeah, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know, but, but you know, it's been a few weeks since you've read your Bible. It's, you know, look at your life. Are you falling apart? Are you, are you a wreck? Now, the worst thing in the world is that we feel like we're okay without drawing near to God, without a sense of desperation for God. I have to say this, just honesty. Over the last year, I mean, I know the last 14 months have been hard on everybody, right? I'm not like, oh, it's been super hard on me. So, so you know, so many things have been taken away from me, uh, not just vocationally, but ministry and like very near and dear to my soul and what I do. For 25 years, I preached every Sunday or most Sundays, vast majority of Sundays, to God's people, face-to-face, worshiped with God's people, um, led God's people. I had hundreds of meetings and Bible study groups. I had thousands of personal uh, meetings face-to-face where I was discipling people, caring for people, supporting people. All of that was gone, right? During COVID, all of it. I'm, I love you and God gives me grace to preach to a camera, but I miss your faces. I miss seeing you. I miss being with God's people. And one of the things that's happened during COVID is, is, you know, I've had ups and downs and I've struggled. I've had, I've had periods of sadness, periods of anger, uh, periods of really feeling close to Christ. But one of the things that God has really 
I, I don't go more than about a day without being in God's word. And I don't want you to look at me and go, well, look at that guy. He's super disciplined. No, it scares me who I would be apart from Christ. It scares me that where my soul would go, the sin that my soul would go towards. I need it. I, and I, and it's as, as weak as that feels, it's so good. I, I, I thank God that he has let me feel that because that desperation keeps me pressing in, longing for more, reading more, learning more, trying to kill sin in my life. And I'm afraid that many of us don't feel that, that desperation. Is there any fear of who you would be apart from the presence of God, apart from the grace of God, apart from the work of God in your life. If you say yes, then how do you find yourself wandering so far from his word, wandering from prayer, wandering from pressing into community, wandering from being, making disciples, loving others? It's because Satan loves us to sleep. The final idea I want us to see here and, and this is not about like, hey, buck up and, 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 and read your Bible this week, right? You know, hey, you, you know, well, let's, let's, let's get disciplined, right? No, that's not, I think that's even sort of a lie of Satan, right? That, that somehow that, that um, you know what I'm gonna do? Out of my own strength, I'm going to read the Bible because I think that reading the Bible is good. No, I, my prayer, and I've been praying this for this message today, is that you and your soul would be fearful of the schemes of Satan leading you astray and that you would feel the need. You would feel the desperation for your soul to be near God. So let's talk about the good news. <laughs> this isn't a self-improvement plan. This isn't a, hey, go try harder, do better. Uh, we, th that's that's uh, the whiteboard, whiteboarding against Satan's schemes. It's not gonna work. The way we, we, we fight back, the way that we push back against Satan is the gospel. It is who Christ is and who Christ is in us. So let's talk about the new self living in Christ. This is the, the, the new self, not the old self, not the, the self that, that, that uh, is locked and loaded for sin, the self that finds its joy in the Disneyland of, of this world. And I want to, I was like wrestling in on some passages on this and I chose a short, I chose one verse. I chose one verse in the New Testament because I think that this verse captures it. I think this verse is so central to understanding self in Christ that, that I, if I could plead with you to memorize it, I want you to write it down. I want you to put it on a sticky note, put it on your mirror, put it on your fridge. I want you to change your screens, uh, your uh, home screen on your computer, on your, your phone. I want you to, to, to memorize this, say this to yourself 10 times a day for the next 10 days and tell me it doesn't change the, the, the rooting of your soul. And this is it, Galatians 2.20. I the old self, have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you say that out loud with me? 
Just it's on the screen. Let's say this out loud together. God can hear you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is who I am. I am not the guy who gives in to sin. I am not the guy that is under the schemes of the enemy. I am crucified in Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the son of God. That's the operating system. And I can see because my faith in the son of God and Christ's life in me, I can see sin for what it is. I can see deception as it comes. I can stand firm against the enemy and stop getting knocked around and start knocking back some. When Satan comes and says, relax, take it easy. There's time later for prayer. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. When you're, when, when you're tempted to be anxious about the future and about what's gonna happen, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. When, when you feel that temptation towards that sin, that, that giving into that, that old familiar sin, that lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When you wish you were like someone else, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not that this verse is some kind of magic incantation. What it boils down to is this. Satan is the father of lies. He lied to Eve, he lies to you, and he lies to me. And he makes the Disneyland of sin look good. And we have more Disneyland access than anybody ever. Don't you think we ought to be more diligent, maybe, than any Christians in history to root our minds and our hearts in Christ, that we can see the temptations for what they are. This is not a magic incantation. It is, here's what it is. It's replacing lies with the truth. It's replacing the lies of the enemy with the word of God, with the truth of God. Satan's the father of lies. You are replacing it now with the truth of the father, of your father, heavenly father. I I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Say that over and over and over again. And you are taking up the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit and all of the armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians. And you will be able to stand firm. And my prayer is this, that you will make this verse your verse this week. You will say it over and over again. You will pray it. You will repeat it to yourself. You'll put it everywhere. You can put it to remind yourself of it. And this week, by God's grace, you would begin to see the ways Satan has been deceiving you. And you can repent. And you can walk as your new self. That's what God wants to do. Satan wants to keep us against the rope. See, Satan wants to keep us asleep. He's going to hand you your binky again. He's gonna say, shh, go back to sleep. He doesn't want you to wake up. He does not want the church to awaken. He does not want revival in this, in this city. He does not wanna see the kingdom of God go forth in this city. He doesn't. It will change the fabric of this city. 
but it starts with you and me. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that we can be delivered from the self. And I thank you that as powerful as Satan is, as deceptive as he is, beyond our abilities, beyond our, our ability to stand, he cannot stand before you. He cannot stand before your truth. I pray for every person who's listening right now that your spirit would awaken in them a desperation for you, that they would draw near to you. It would stop giving into self, stop giving into uh, to the Disneyland around us. Awake, wake up and see, and then live out this gospel. In your name we pray, amen.